Good morning, everybody. I hope you're having a great day so far. Um, I am Caleb Bagby, one of the pastors here at NCC. And before we get into the message, I want to give you a quick update. Pastor Aaron wanted all of you guys to know he's doing well, recovering well from his surgery, and is really missing you guys. So really missing being here and hoping that next week he's able to be here and see you again, which if he is able to, go say hi, encourage him, um, because we're missing him too a lot. And, uh, but it's just good to know he's doing well, miss you guys, and hopefully we'll see him back up here soon. Um, and says thank you for all the prayers. So let's just keep praying for him, for that recovery to go smoothly and everything to work out well. Um, today is exciting because we're starting a whole new message series. If you're new to NCC, we do these series um, pretty often throughout the year where we focus in on a book of the Bible and really dig into it and talk about, like, what do we learn just reading through this book? And we are going to be talking about Jonah. So you may be familiar with the story. This is the guy in the fish that gets swallowed by the fish. It's a crazy story. Um, but we're going to take the next few weeks and really dig into a few different parts of what happens in the book of Jonah. Um, why we do this is because at NCC, we believe that Scripture shapes our lives. Yes? Scripture shapes our lives. And, I mean, any message that we share is based on Scripture because that's where truth comes from, God's Word. But this is kind of a unique series because it's really focused in on one book of the Bible. And so over the next few weeks, read Jonah with us. It's only four chapters long, so you could read it all this week, maybe even each week reading through the whole book and getting familiar with it as we look at different elements of the story. And this week, we're going to just dive right into chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, if you have the app, open it up to Jonah chapter 1, and we're going to read through that together in just a moment. And before we even get into the scripture itself, I want to give you some context so that we go into the story kind of knowing what we're reading, where it's coming from. So I want to give you uh, some context on one important person and one important place as we're reading through the book of Jonah. First of all, Jonah. He's an important person in the story. Um, this story it talks about Jonah, his interaction with the Lord. It's important for us to kind of know where Jonah's coming from. So at the time, Jonah is a prophet from Israel. And a prophet was someone who had this commitment to the Lord to hear from him, to be close with him in his presence, hearing what God has to say to his people. And so like Jonah would hear the word from God, and then he would go to people and say, this is what the Lord's saying. As God encourages people or challenges them or says, hey, you need to be living this way, Jonah would go and bring that word to other people. And so Jonah has this close relationship with the Lord, um, this commitment to the Lord to do that for him as a prophet. And then an important place in the story is the nation of Assyria. Assyria was a nation known for its evil behavior. And then as we read in Jonah, we read about the city of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, and so pretty much epitomized this evil behavior. So when you read about Nineveh, this was a place that most people probably wouldn't want anything to do with, especially the nation of Israel. They, they were at odds, and Israel didn't like Assyria. Jonah would have already had this kind of feelings of like, I don't want anything to do with that place, and I don't want to have to go there or interact with those people. So Jonah would have already not liked the people of Nineveh, and that is helpful to know as we read about Jonah in the book of the Bible. So we're going to read from chapter 1. We're going to go through that chapter together just to kind of get a big picture of what's going on. 
And what's cool about this book is it's really all a narrative. So it's written in this story form. It talks about the events that are happening in chronological order and the people that are involved and as they're interacting with each other, what they're saying. So you could picture this kind of in your mind like a movie playing. And so I want you to kind of go into it with that perspective today. So as we read through this, picture this happening. Um, because this is, as it is a narrative, it gives us the opportunity to sort of experience it as this story playing out. So as I read through, picture it in your mind as it's going on. So we're going to go right into Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, go up, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. And in verse 3, I mean, it's right off the bat, things take a turn. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. Tarshish doesn't sound like Nineveh. That's where God told him to go. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. I mean, right off the bat, we're like, Jonah's missing something here. I want to give you a little bit of context. So we have a picture of this location where God had told Jonah to go to Nineveh, but Jonah wanted to go to Tarshish. And so this is where Jonah's starting from, Gothepher, and then he goes down to this port of Joppa, and it's like, okay, maybe Jonah got confused and he went the wrong way, but he's like, oh, I need to turn around and go to Nineveh because it's actually way over there and pretty close to where he was. But he's like, I'm going to go way over there to Tarshish. And it, I want you to see this because it's obvious that Jonah's not just taking like an accidental like detour or like roundabout way to Nineveh. He's like, yo, I'm out. Like I'm going way out here, taking a ship, which I didn't need to take a ship. And I'm going way down the water out to Tarshish so that I could just get away from Nineveh. It's important for us to know because he was very clearly taking the wrong direction. Let's go back to verse chapter, or sorry, verse 4. It says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart, the ship that Jonah's on with these other men going to Tarshish. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. Convenient. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God, and maybe he'll pay attention to us, and he'll spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And the sailors were terrified when they heard this, because Jonah already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it, they groaned, and since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? And Jonah says, throw me into the sea, it'll become calm again, I know this whole terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land. They must have liked Jonah. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. So then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you sent the storm upon him for your own good reasons. And then the sailors picked Jonah up 
threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. They offered him a sacrifice, and they vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So the events of the story, God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, "Uh, no, I'm going to Tarshish. He goes out to Tarshish, and God sends a storm over the sea. And the majority of this chapter, what I thought was really interesting as I was preparing for today, when you think of Jonah, you think of the fish. If you're familiar with the story, you think Jonah gets swallowed by a fish. It's crazy. It is an amazing part of the story, but in chapter 1, there's only that last verse that even mentions the fish. And there's like 15 verses about Jonah on the ship with these other men. And as we're reading in the Bible, that kind of context gives us, helps us to know what's important in this story. And so as we read this, like there's some kind of importance to what's going on on the ship because it's talked about a lot. And so I want to focus in on that moment and that time when Jonah's with the men on the ship because it's apparently an important part of the story. And so we're going to kind of look into this and see what's going on. So God sends a storm. God's like, dude, you are not getting away that easy, okay? Like, I know what's going on. I know what you're doing. Like, I'm not just going to let you sail away and get away from something that you felt like was uncomfortable. So God's clearly reminding Jonah, dude, you're going the wrong way. Like, I don't know what got confused in you, but Nineveh's over here. Tarshish is not even close. And I think what's really interesting is that Jonah knows what he's doing. It's not just God that's like, hey, dude, I see you, okay? Jonah knows what's going on. I want you to bring you back to verse 9 through 12. Verse 9 says, Jonah answered to the men, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And then the sailors are terrified because Jonah already told them, I'm running away from God. Like, he knew what he was doing from the beginning. And they're like, why'd you do this? It's getting worse. What do we do to you to stop the storm? And Jonah, I'm picturing, like, rolling his eyes, like, like, couldn't get away from it. Just throw me in the sea. He's like, I know this is my fault. Just throw me out. It's going to be fine. Everything will calm down. And he was right. Everything calmed down when Jonah went overboard. But he knew what was going on. He knew the storm was for him. God was looking for him. And he's like, dude, you can't just get away from something you felt like was uncomfortable. Jonah knew what was going on. And knowing that Jonah's not just ignorant in this situation, let's go back to verse 4 through 6. In verse 4, it says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea. And again, picture this in your mind like it's happening. Causing a violent storm that threatens to break the ship apart. There's a ship on the sea, and then there's a storm throwing it around. Like going up vertical waves, getting tossed back and forth. They're throwing stuff overboard. It says, fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors, they're shouting to their gods for help. They're throwing stuff overboard to lighten the ship. Everything, like, it's craziness, okay? Like, they think they're going to die because of this storm. And then it says, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. And I'm like, yeah, right. Like, it says he's asleep, but I'm like, Jonah's asleep. Jonah's down there, and the captain comes down. He's like, how do you sleep right now? And I picture Jonah like your teenager on a weekday morning. The alarm's been going off for 20 minutes already. You have to turn the lights on for them because they couldn't do it themselves. Pulling the covers off of them because they're going to be late. Hey, it's time to get up. And they're like, 
or like, don't even say anything. Just, I'm asleep. And I, even Alita and I experienced this with a couple foster kids over the last few months of this year. And, I mean, a couple mornings were difficult. But I remember one morning going into our boys' room. I mean, the alarm has gone off for like 10 minutes. I'm like, dude, I, it's driving me crazy. And then turn the light on, pull the covers off. He's like the most sound asleep he's ever been in his life. And I go over there and I'm like, move him. Hey, it's time to get up. You're running out of time. And I'm like an inch away from his ear. I'm like, I know you're awake. It's time to get up. You're going to miss the bus. And like, I can't let you miss the bus. And so I was like, you need to get up. A few minutes later, he realizes like it's past time. Comes out in the living room. And then he's wondering why he can't make waffles in time for school like he normally does. And I'm like, dude, I've told you how many times this morning. You had to get up way earlier. He's like, I was asleep. Like, yeah, right. You so were not asleep that whole time. And this isn't even like a kid thing. This is even an adult thing. Like, some mornings you just hope that you'll sleep through your alarm so you have an excuse to miss. An excuse to stay out of what you had planned for the day. And even like, I have this feeling sometimes, like, if I'm asleep, then it's not actually real. You know, if I ignore it, like, it didn't really happen. And if we're asleep, then what we have to deal with, we don't really have to deal with because we didn't know, and it gives us this excuse. And so I feel like this is where Jonah is at. He knows this storm is for him. He knows God wasn't just going to let him get off the hook right away. And then he goes down in the hold, and he's like, yo, I'm going to sleep. And he's like, this storm is crazy. Like, this guy's probably going back and forth like, no covers on him, like, he's hitting the walls, and he's like, I'm asleep, I'm asleep, I'm asleep, I can't wake up, because I can't acknowledge what God is doing and what he's saying. He's like, if I ignore it long enough, then maybe I can convince myself that God didn't really ask me to go to Nineveh. If I ignore it long enough, then maybe I can convince God, you know, maybe I didn't tell Jonah to go to Nineveh. Like, I guess I thought wrong, I kind of missed that, like, I'll just let him go and I'll do something different. Like, it's crazy. God is saying to Jonah, he sends his storm. He says, dude, I said Nineveh. You're going the wrong way. And then Jonah's like, what? I was asleep. Like, I didn't realize I was on a ship going the totally wrong direction. Like, it just seems ridiculous. But how many times do we do that? Do we shift the blame? People around us are being hurt, and I'm like, I didn't know it was wrong. Like, I didn't know that what I was doing was hurting people. I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Jonah knows this whole time what's going on. He knew the moment he ran off. But he's trying to ignore God. He's trying not to listen to God. And you look in the Hebrew language, there's a term that refers to this moment of listening and hearing. Maybe someone from authority that's giving you direction and obeying them. There's the word shema. This word Shema means to listen or to hear. And what's interesting is in the language, there's not a different word for obey. Because we would normally think if someone tells me something, I'm going to hear you, and then I'm going to actually obey you in another action. But in Hebrew, in that culture, the culture reading about in Jonah, it's the same action. It's the same moment to hear and to move it to response. And so to listen to someone means that you take it to heart. And it actually brings about change or response. Because if you, in this example, like God, if you listen to God tell you to go to Nineveh, but you don't go to Nineveh, you don't really listen to him. Because you didn't actually obey him. And 
there's this correlation between listening and obeying, and Jonah's trying this whole time to not listen because he doesn't want to obey. He doesn't want to do what God asked him to do. And so you think about our life. Many of us spend time with Jesus like this. We're praying, and we come to the Lord, and we ask him about a bunch of stuff and say, hey, this is what's going on, how I'm feeling. Like, can you help me with this? Can you do this? Can you do that? Amen. There's no time spent listening. And then some of us, we do spend time listening, but then it's not really listening because we have a moment where God's like, hey, he's bringing up in our heart like, to go and forgive that person that hurt me. And we're like, ooh, that's tough. Like, that's difficult, and I don't want to do that. So amen, I'm done. And like, I'm out. You know, get to work, get out there fast. Because we need to be really listening to the Lord. So when you spend time with God, are you really listening to Him? And I want you to think about that just in your own life. Do you really listen to God with the intent to do what He's asking you to do? Or change what He's asking you to change? Because if you notice that the Lord is bringing something up and you're saying something, and then you decide whether or not you're going to do it, you're not really listening. So when God speaks, will you listen? But really listen. Because the simple fact in the story is that God asked Jonah to do something, and Jonah didn't do that thing. And we learned something about God here, because Jonah was this prophet, so he had this commitment to the Lord that if, as I hear from you, I'm going to bring it to your people. It is an important role in partnership with God. And it's so interesting as you read about this kind of relationship, there's a lot of similarities to how we live with God now. Because at the time, it wasn't this availability to any person to have their relationship with God before Jesus came, gave his life for us. And now we have this ability to be close with the Lord, to hear from him, to move with him, and let his spirit work through us. And this kind of partnership was a big deal to God. And he didn't want Jonah just getting off with nothing, like just to kind of walk away from this call that he had. And I don't believe that the storm, that the fish, I don't believe that that was a punishment for Jonah walking away, going the wrong direction. But it's God calling him back, saying, hey, you said you wanted to do this with me. Like, let's go do this. I have this great opportunity to help these people and let them know that I know what's going on. I need you. I want to work with you. God is presenting this opportunity, but Jonah feels like it's just this punishment. What's interesting is when we think about our lives, what God asks us to change, what he asks us to adjust in our life, asks us to do, usually it's hard. Usually it's difficult because we don't think like him. Our nature is not like Jesus. Our nature is about me. It's about pleasure and comfort at any cost. And that's not what Jesus is about. And so anything that pulls us in a different direction to be close to Jesus, to be like him, is going to feel difficult. And that's why it's difficult to follow Jesus. Because the, more, the closer that we get to him, the more he needs to change in us to look like him. Because I don't look like him right now. Like my life is not 100% Jesus. And so there are things that need to change in ways that I need to transform myself, my way of life, the things that I do to look like Him. And that's difficult because change is hard. And what I'm getting at is we often think that because God asks us to do things that we feel like are difficult, that He's punishing us. We feel like just because it's hard that God is punishing us. 
But God's perspective is way bigger than that because He wants to partner with you. It's not about ruining all the stuff you've been working for or changing everything that you feel comfortable with, but God wants us to be with Him. He wants to partner with us. God wants to bring redemption to His people, bring forgiveness to the world and make it look like Him. And He wants you to be a part of that because God is more interested in partnership than He is in punishment. It's not about punishing us or making our lives miserable. He wants to partner with us and bring us along for what he wants to do in the world. Because God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh, make sure that they knew that God knew what was going on, the way they were living. And you read throughout the book, Jonah does end up going there, reluctantly. And he lets them know, hey, God knows what's going on and judgment is coming. And then the Ninevites take it to heart and they're like, Everybody in the whole city, like, we need to go to the Lord and ask for him to forgive us. And they say, Jesus, please, like, forgive us and don't, like, bring us mercy. And then God does turn away from showing that destruction and he shows them mercy. And Jonah hates it. I mean, it's super interesting. You read throughout the book and how Jonah responds. But God showed them mercy because of Jonah bringing his word to these people. There's this opportunity God had. He said, look, you can, I want you to be the key for my spirit to show mercy and forgiveness to my people. How amazing is that? This is an opportunity God has for us to work with him, partner with him. And all Jonah could think was, I'm being punished. He's sending me to Nineveh. And God's like, are you serious? How amazing is it that you could come with me and be a key for my spirit to move in the world? God is more interested in partnership than he is in punishment. And we're often in the same boat. We're afraid that if we spend time listening and letting God say what he needs to say, that he's going to do something and tell us to do something that ruins our whole life. He's just going to make me miserable. All this stuff that feels comfortable, it's, not, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. And so then we just get afraid and we never let God speak to us. We act asleep. So we have this excuse to ignore what God's saying. Say, I didn't know. I wasn't paying attention. And we're afraid he's going to bring up that one part of our life that we don't want to let go of. What will he say if I do listen? Will he ask me to forgive that person who hurt me? Or reach out to that family member? Or accept that job? Or talk to your neighbor? Or invite someone to church? Start serving at a nonprofit in your community? He's going to ask me to do something that feels hard to do. So we get afraid to ever let God speak and lead us. And so we're stuck. We're not able to grow, not able to look more like Jesus because we're worshiping him with closed fists. Saying, like, hey, like, help me with this stuff, but like, it's my stuff. And so we're stunting our growth because we can't look more like Jesus until he has full control. And we need to believe that we can trust God. Do we really trust God if we're not willing to open up our life and be available to what He wants? If we're not ever listening to what He has to say and following His directions? God wants to partner with you to help His world look more like Him, to show goodness and forgiveness and mercy and grace. 
He wants people to look more like Him and you be a part of people knowing how their life can transform and be better. Live with purpose and with life. And when we trust that this is true, that God wants to partner with me, and that His intentions are good, that His ways are better, it's easy to open up our hands. Because we trust that God will take care of what's in our life. He's going to take care of me, and what He may need to remove is for my good. Where He needs to lead me is for my good, and the good of His people, and the good of His world. Yeah, it might be difficult, but that's the point, right? I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want to look like Jesus. And that's going to be hard. It's not a punishment to make you miserable. It's a partnership so we can look more like Jesus, so we can help make His world look more like Him. Before we all respond together, I want to give a moment, and maybe you're in the room and you think, this kind of partnership with God sounds really great. It sounds difficult, but it sounds purposeful, and I want to have a relationship with God like that. And so maybe you've prayed this prayer before, but you think, I want to really commit to live my life with Jesus. And maybe you've not prayed it before, and you want to start a relationship with Him, and start living with that kind of purpose, that kind of partnership with the Lord. I want to give you this opportunity to do that. And so if you all would bow your heads, we're going to take a moment and pray a prayer together. And so I want to encourage you, if you want to make that commitment, live a life with the Lord, then pray this prayer with me. And maybe you have prayed it together and have that kind of commitment with Him. Pray it with me as well so we can support those maybe for the first time. And just repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, thank You for loving me, for giving me a second chance. God, I want to accept You into my heart. And I believe that You died on the cross for me. I want to live my life with you. Be the Lord of my life. Be my Savior. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And can we just celebrate together? Anyone may have made that prayer for the first time, that commitment to live with Jesus. And I want us all to respond together for the next few moments. And this is what I want to do. Many of us live our life so afraid of what God might say if I actually listen that we never really do. And I want to give us an opportunity to listen to God and let Him say what He needs to say. And just be quiet without an agenda and just hear from the Lord. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What is it you want me to change? Or how do you want me to look like you? So if you would go ahead and stand up to your feet where you're at, we're going to spend a moment just worshiping together. As we sing this part of the song, Alita's going to lead us. This is us coming to the Lord, just connecting with Him for a moment and saying, hey, I'm here, Lord, and I'm listening. Speak to me in this next moment. I want to hear what you have to say. And so as we sing, we're making that commitment, Lord, you are Lord. You have control, and I want to know where you're leading me. So let's sing together.
And in this moment, if you could join me in just lifting your hands open. Many of us spend our time worshiping God like this and praying to Him like this and saying, I'm holding on to some things because I can't let it go and I can't let you have access to that. But we want to take a moment and just say, I'm available. What you want to do, you can do. Where you want to lead, you can lead. And I just want to listen. So let's spend a moment with our hands open, just listening. We'll be quiet and let God say what He needs to say. may just feel a strong feeling of something that you may need to step out and do or something that the Lord's challenging you to change about your way of life or how you can look more like him if you feel like he's speaking something write it down somewhere record that somewhere because we want to take that more than just a moment of listening to really listening and showing that we can obey and that will move as God speaks to us Jesus thank you so much for this moment God that we can trust you Lord, I pray that this would just be the beginning of the time that we spend listening and letting you speak. As your spirit speaks, Lord, I pray that our spirits, our hearts would be sensitive to you, to hear your voice, to be clear on what you're saying and how you're leading us. Lord, we see transformation, we see change in our own lives, in our families, our communities, to look more like you. Lord, we want to partner with you. We want to take the opportunities you have for us to be a part of how your spirit moves in the world. We love you, Lord. Continue to have your way in me, in us, as we grow to look more like you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for this moment. Thank you for this week as we can continue to practice this. And pray you just continue to have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.